Hello, I'm Cheryl, and this is Sleep Tight Relax, a calming bedtime podcast for the young and young at heart. Our sleep story is the second part of our story about Prince Flamingo. Remember, Prince Flamingo left his home and flew to the place where he met the emperor. He was welcomed into this place and well-treated. He learned that he and the emperor may be in danger, and he went to tell him about it while carrying a special dice. The emperor understood and sent Prince Flamingo on his way. But before we continue with our story, let's take a moment to relax. We can practice our deep breathing anytime or anywhere. But before bed, let's first turn down the lights, get comfortable, and make sure that everything feels as it should. Now close your eyes if you'd like, and we'll begin with a few slow, deep belly breaths. Each time you breathe in, breathe all the way down into your belly. When you breathe in, be sure to slowly breathe through your nose. And when you breathe out, try to push all the air out of your lungs. Breathe in. And breathe out. Notice how you feel when you take these deep breaths, how you get more and more relaxed with each breath, how the weight of your body sinks into the bed. Breathe in and breathe out. Throughout this time of relaxation and our story, thoughts of the day or the day to come may enter your mind. That's okay and normal. When they come, just try to return your attention to your breathing through the story and music. Breathe in. and breathe out. Perfect. Let's continue with our final part of our story about Prince Flamingo. Prince Flamingo's Triumphant Return. In the gorgeous court of the emperor, where White Wing had come into such great good fortune, the only person whom everyone feared was the splendid ruler himself. For rulers have been notable in history for their fickle ways and shifting affections. And this emperor was no exception to the rule. First, it was one favorite who fell into disfavor, and then another, and even the priests and the counselors, 
who were the closest to him who were not safe. So there were mysterious things happening in the great stone palace. And Whitewing observed, soon after he came there, that nobody seemed really to enjoy the wonderful splendors of the court itself. But, on the contrary, they seemed always anxious to be in the parks or the city, or even out on the lonely plains around it, rather than in the vast rooms of stone and silver. Nevertheless, Whitewing had nothing to fear from the loyal and bossy ruler, for the bird was truly his most treasured possession. And if he were in a bad mood, the emperor would often take himself to Whitewing's splendid garden, and there he would play with the bird, asking him many questions and seeming always content to find his answer in the flamingo's wise looks or a chance nod of the creature's head. There were the troops of lovely children too, whose quarters were a whole part of the palace itself. And these were a delight to Whitewing, for they were gentle with him and fed him all sorts of treats from their little hands. Among these was a lovely little girl who grew to be a favorite of the emperor's and was deeply attached to Whitewing. One day, to the emperor's great distress, he saw traces of tears on the child's face as she came hurrying across the enclosed garden to the sunken pool, where Whitewing was looking down into the water at the goldfish. There happened to be no one in the great courtyard at that moment but the child and the stately bird. She looked around first to be sure that what she was about to say would not be overheard. Oh, Prince of the Dawn, dear Prince, she began, do you know what has happened? I have run away from the others just to tell you. It's the saddest thing in the world. The emperor is sending all the children away to the farthermost corner of the land to keep them safe. And only the soldiers and the priests are to live here now. There is only one hour left. For down below the great walls, there are thousands of bearers and mules laden with everything and a whole army of escorts. Maybe we shall never come back. Then she threw herself at White Wing's feet and clutched the flowers on the border of the fountain as she cried. But this was only the beginning of the troubles in the great palace. White Wing saw many things that could not be explained. The emperor feared for what would happen to himself. The kingdom was being attacked by an army of men from the other side of the world. Such conquerors they were as even the emperor himself had never dreamed of. But now excited workers came rushing in and took the child away. 
she scarcely had time to say farewell, and poor Whitewing heard her sobs as she was carried through the courtyards and arched corridors. Yes, his palace was being deserted, and he could walk through empty rooms and suddenly stilled hallways without meeting a soul. Everybody was in the lower courtyard watching the departure of the household. But just as Whitewing, sad and filled with wonder, came to a little doorway in a corner of the great upper hall, he heard voices. They were the emperor's counselors, he knew. But why should they be there now when everybody else was so busy elsewhere, he wondered. They were not talking as usual, but whispering, and a great curtain had been drawn across the doorway. Whitewing knew that the room was lit by a window that opened to a tiny courtyard of its own. To reach this courtyard without passing through the room was impossible to anyone but a bird, such as Whitewing. He could mount the walls by a short flight from the garden and descend within the secret yard. This he did, for he was determined to learn what the priests and counselors were up to. The emperor was not with them, and he felt sure that it was something disloyal that they were doing. He was just in time as he settled down on the ledge outside the great window. First, he looked to make sure that his shadow was not visible across the pavement. He was assured of his safety, and he knew that his arrival there had not been betrayed by so much as a ruffle of his beautiful wings. The voices were deciding the fate of the Emperor and White Wing too. The priests were to tell the Emperor that he must give up the thing that he loved the most, White Wing. After he had done this, the people would object, and then they would be able to get rid of the Emperor also. They were now deciding which one of them should be the one to start the uproar. Whitewing could hear them rattling the jeweled discs or dice with which he had often seen them playing. Evidently, the process of making the decision was a complicated one, for he heard the little carved discs rattling in their box a number of times. Then there was silence, and a voice which he knew was that of the emperor's half-brother spoke in clear tones. I am glad that it has fallen on me. Suddenly, the sound of drums and horns and a great deal of shouting broke the silence. The emperor had said farewell to his household and in great clamor was leaving the city with his followers. The emperor's heralds were calling his counselors to the great audience chamber. Whitewing heard them scuttle from the little room in haste, and he heard the dice which they had been using rattle to the floor as they upset a table in their hurry to get out. 
Slowly and cautiously, he looked into the room. It was deserted. Then he went in and looked around him and picked up one of the little dice. It was a small black jewel, curiously engraved. He tucked it under his wing and stalked quietly through the curtained doorway and down the long corridor with its shadowy arches until it brought him to the sunny courts that bounded his own walled garden. What he achieved by this simple act of wisdom is quickly told. The emperor, who had known nothing of the secret council, guessed immediately that it had taken place when White Wing dropped the black counter at his feet. They were alone in the garden, and it was late in the evening. The bird didn't know that this was not one of the gaming dice at all, but the sacred dice used to settle life and death decisions in the emperor's secret debates with his court. Puzzled as the emperor was at first, he was not long in establishing his conclusions. He had just been told by the priests that he must get rid of the white flamingo, and his half-brother had been alarmingly affectionate, having even hugged his shoulder as he thanked the great ruler for having him placed at the head of certain troops, which were of the greatest importance in the forthcoming battles. Then the emperor knew what to do. He said nothing, but was exceedingly watchful. Coming early in the morning to White Wing, he wished the great bird goodbye. You must fly over to your own people, dear bird, he said. My enemies will eventually capture you if you do not go. And perhaps, when these great invaders have taken my city, I shall also be sent away. You have been my greatest pleasure, and you have served here all that you were intended to. You have saved my life, for the plan to get rid of me has all come out. I drew a confession from certain of the counselors but an hour ago. Never would I have suspected them but for your wonderful means of warning me. Then, in the earliest dawn, before the blazing sun had blanched the palace walls, White Wings soared slowly into the air, leaving the great emperor standing alone by the deserted garden. There were no cheering crowds as there had been when he came to that terrible city, and in their stead were camps and tents and all of the sights of preparing war upon the plains but the emperor's hands were upraised and his face was very splendid as he gazed off into the skies where his wonderful white flamingo was disappearing. All that consoled the bird in the sorrow of leaving his master was the thought of having saved the great man's life. He little knew that thousands of his own kind were waiting for him, but such was the case. And he soon learned, as he flew toward the setting sun, retracing his journey, that he was already the Prince of Birds. 
whole flocks of beautiful parrots and great orioles and tropic thrushes would greet him and fly in hosts ahead of him. From the great city down through the wide valley and the dark forests to the coast, he traveled with couriers to tell all the birds of his coming. And as he passed at last out over the ocean to find the island where he had come from, there were flocks and flocks of flamingos overtaking and surrounding him. At last, when his escort had grown to such numbers that, flying as they did in single file, the line of birds seemed to arch the sky from east to west, he came to the coast which he knew to be his own. Then to the same stretch of coral beach where the palms were leaning over the dunes exactly as he had left them. With slackened speed and flying lower and lower until he caught the scent of the old familiar earth, he skimmed above the lagoon and was suddenly over his home. Whitewing flew straight to his mother. The thousand relatives and as many new ones were there too, and with the arrival of Whitewing's friends who had glided in one after another, the confusion and greetings in Flamingo Town was deafening. From then until his passing, which was not to be for many, many years, Whitewing, whose adventures had become known until they were household words, was the ruler of the flamingos everywhere. That he was kind, you may be sure. And for one thing, quite the greatest thing in his life, he insinuated a change in family life by deciding that all the gentlemen should take their turn in helping the ladybirds to hatch their eggs. It is from his reign that this admirable custom dates, as Mrs. Leatherback will assure you. As for that generous lady, she has lived these hundreds of years a member, as she is pleased to think, of the greatest court in Europe. She soon came round on her journeys to White Wings Island, and there she visited him for a long time so they could recount their adventures. And he has never ceased to love her for the cheer she gave him that first night of his lonely journey. For her part, she is only too proud of her Prince Flamingo, as she calls him, thereby disputing honors with the gentle mother bird, who has always been too happy to talk much about her little white wing. So all the above is just as the heron tells it. And he is the one who knows Mrs. Leatherback the best. And he has heard it from her many, many times. And that's the end of our story. Good night, sleep tight. <laughs>